0: The FGM Formula One podcast, the Austrian Grand Prix at the exact same racetrack that we were at last week. Uh, joining me, Trevor Long, is Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Harry Tucker, you get to kick it off first this week. Oh, yeah. For people that are downloading the podcast Monday morning, you're probably in lockdown anyway, so you may as well watch the race. But if you're not, should you watch the whole race, the highlights, or brush it entirely?
1: Ooh, this is t- like it's borderline highlights and watch the full race. I think. Yeah, like if you're if you're on the fence, just go the highlights. But if you've got like a little bit more of an interest, I can. You you still can't go wrong with a full race,
2: Connor. Yeah, I'm in the same position as Harry. I'm borderline on the highlights, borderline on the race. The race wasn't that bad. It wasn't overly impressive in in some respects. But I think you can either give or take the highlights or the race. That's where I stand.
0: I think there's well, I'll be the decisive one. Watch the race. Um because especially compared to last week, this was a good race. This is the kind of race that makes you go, yeah, Formula 1's got something. So um, give it a crack, folks. Um, but, you know, take your own judgment. From this point on, they will be spoiling the fuck out of it. So um, <laughs> if you are going to do that, come back to us in a little while. So, boys, um, How many people do
1: you think we have that tune in for this first 30 seconds and then tune out?
0: Like, I don't do know. You, do you Mate, do that
1: in
2: the podcast?
0: Well, I don't know. But I think it's the right thing to do for a – current event such real time live concept. Oh, you're correct. I'm just curious. I mean we're we're taking the piss here, let's be honest. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But but I think I think put it here's the way I look at it, right? I think there's a few people and some of the people that tweet us but don't watch the race. Um I get the sense that if they if there was a race that was from flag to flag or lights to flag, the 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 best thing we've seen in a long time, they'd want to know that before the show. Like, Do you know what I mean? I think they'd want to be sent away to watch it. That's that's the way I see it. Send them away to watch it if it's something you really must see and then come back and enjoy. So that's that's why. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for making me justify the <laughs> format of the show. I was,
1: being a, I was being a smartass and you just went full into well, the depths he went, of... He went, he went full blown. It's-
0: Explanation. The, That's it's what It's a radio program manager in me that wants to analyze whether or not we're doing the right thing each and every week. Uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at KO. Uh, I stream it live on KO. I don't have uh, any other subscription at this point, so uh, KO is the way I get all my sport. And um, if you don't have KO, give it a crack. In fact, let me put it to you this way. If you don't have KO and you are listening to this podcast the day or two after the Austrian Grand Prix, send me a DM. I've got vouchers for Ko, which will give you. Well, they will meant to only be a month, but I won't lie. I'm told they are a couple of years worth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so before I, so before, before no, no, I don't, I don't have a lot of vouchers. But if you, if if you, if you haven't got Ko, I'm prepared to offer a, a couple of vouchers up. If you hit us up, I will send you a voucher so that you can enjoy Ko for a month on us. So boys, the race overall. I mean. We said it was a good race, broadly, and it was. Um, Harry, early safety car for a very small thing off the back there with Mm -hmm. um, Ocon. But uh, here's what I took out of the race. Close racing. There there was a lot of, you know, um, wing to nose, I felt. Yeah.
1: Well, I think with that, we just got stuck again in these DRS trains where no one can really get past each other for ages because – everyone's in yeah, in that drs train getting a little bit of boost down the straights, and then because these cars are just so aero dependent that there's all this dirty air through the bends there so there's there's no way for people to get past each other unless they've got a significant car advantage so hopefully next year's regulations which are meant to improve that sort of downforce reliance a bit fix that because it kind of it's like this race is like a teaser for how cool formula one could be if it was just easier to overtake. Hmm. Um, so that, that, that's how I feel after. It's kind of, it was good, but it was frustrating because of what it could have been.
0: But Connor, I think that was interesting to me was, uh, if you think about the exciting points of passing over the last few years at this track, uh, turn mm. three, for example, um, it yep. wasn't actually the the point where it was happening. It was happening, I'm trying to think, was it into uh, four slash five or something down there? Yeah, as, as that's in? been... That-
2: That was a good spot. That that is a fantastic spot. We have seen a lot more action at that particular part of the circuit in the last two seasons than we have seen at Turn 3 for quite some time. Um, Usually on the opening lap, Turn 3 is usually one of those corners where every chaos happens, like everyone bumped into one another and it certainly did obviously for Esteban Ocon tonight. But Turn 4, Turn 5 – that has been like the real centre of attention, particularly uh, with what we're about to discuss. I mean, we saw it last year with Lewis Hamilton and Alex Orban when they uh, got pushed off. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot more in that particular corner this time around.
0: What we're about to discuss, I feels like you're, you're foreshadowing. I mean, let's, let's turn it over <laughs> to Harry Tucker here, who's best mates with the race director. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I believe you are. Could there have been more penalties for the very spirit of motorsport. I mean, (laughs) uh, you know, Sergio Perez opts to go around the outside. Um, Lando Norris takes essentially the racing line um, and gets penalized. Then Perez does the same thing a couple of times to Leclerc and gets penalized. There was others who got penalized for stupid things like crossing the white line and coming into the pits when it's a shit pit entry in the best of times. I don't know. I just feel like... The very, th- th- this whole thing would have been a very different race without those penalties with Perez and Norris in a different position.
1: Well, I think with the they stuffed up with the Perez and Norris one because that kind of set the priest in Then
0: that's because right. It was
1: like even if you know mm-hmm. they made that decision, like shit, maybe this was not the right one. Um, you know, next time, we' we'll, we won't do that. Then they couldn't in the same race because you knew the second that that happened that you know that everyone would be up in arms about the inconsistency. So I'd like to think that. It was one bad call, and then just for consistency's sake, they had to keep calling it. But
0: yeah. I mean, when, Connor, when how you look it? at it, Lando was um, two seconds behind Valtteri Bottas for Stappen for the win, 17.9 seconds ahead of Bottas, uh, and that's after taking a freebie pit stop. So you can imagine how far ahead he would have been. Bottas in second. Yeah by um, by nature of a, a team-ordered overtake on Hamilton who just seemed to be struggling with pace. Norris two seconds behind. he w- Norris would have been in front had
2: he not had that penalty. Oh, without a question. And Norris would have had a much better result. You know, he would have finished one place further ahead than what he did this time 12 months ago um had he not had that penalty i mean he seemed a little bit okay about it after the race obviously now cuz he's finished the podium but yeah just he he was furious absolutely furious on the radio tonight when he was told that he got that 5 second penalty and it must have seemed like an eternity for him when he came in for that first and only pit stop of the race it was just it must have felt like oh now, yeah, basically, my race is shot, but he managed to claw back everything. You've got to give him
0: credit for clawing back to, and sticking with third, because that's the kind of thing that could make you despondent as a driver. I'm assuming. Oh yeah, um, definitely. And I, I think that I think there's a lot of a lot of credit to Lando for this weekend, this fortnight's performance. He's really earned his salt. Um, I think what's fascinating and, and Harry's spot on. It was a precedent thing they had to penalise in that way, um, but. Let's just look at, um, you know, overall the race had that, and and Harry called it, you know, DRS trains. But I just felt like um, it is a good point that Harry makes about the 2022 regs because if anything, this is the track where we should best see 2022 come to life because it is, it, it seems only just hampered by the 2021 cars, so it should be phenomenal next year, Harry. So they say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it just comes down to that era. Like, they, yeah. they
0: did they did win this year. I mean, they made changes this year, let's say specifically to help Red Bull. Yeah. Um, and it worked. Yeah. So it's maybe kind of... maybe Ross mm. Braun's on to something here.
1: I mean, I hope he is. But in saying that when you talk about the changes that that benefited Red Bull, like I you know, I think back to the last have me, what, six, seven years of Mercedes dominance, and you know, the whole time you're sort of wanting this this Red Bull or Ferrari or whoever to be close. And there was a year Ferrari was almost had it there. Mm. But then instead of getting in this year where they're close, it looks like Red Bull has just leapfrogged it. And we're kind of just back to the same, you know, boring thoughts around first position, but just with a different team.
0: And I think the critical thing there, Connor, is um, we've got to remember that, you know, McLaren had a good weekend this weekend with Lando being two seconds behind Bottas, but, you um, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes are still lengths ahead. A lot, the 10th place getter, Fernando Alonso, was lapped. And I think, obviously, it's a very short racetrack. I get that. But it does, you know, indicate a problem overall. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, I think I think it was a good race because it felt closer. Last week felt like there was 10, 15, 20 second gaps between everyone. I just feel like we've got enough small gaps here, Connor, that, Showed that we mm. uh, we got ourselves a good race.
2: I, I absolutely, and I think what also played a massive part in that was the change of the compounds of tyres this weekend. They went down to the C two, C three, and C four tyres compared to the C C3 three and C three, four, and five tyres that they it used like one a Star week before. Wars so <laughs> I know, I know, but it's <laughs> that change in compound this week. I think created a better outcome in terms of the racing. You know, the softer tyres make for much more conducive racing, and we saw that even though it was DRS zones left, right, and centre. But it was much, much closer than what it was one week ago. So I think a lot of credit has to go for the fact that Pirelli made the right choice to go to a softer tyre to create that kind of racing. But, you know... I just get sick of the DRS zones. Like there was a good example where Daniel Ricciardo was able to get past. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, see, this weekend.
0: Yeah, it was a, bit of a, a yeah.
2: bit of a Sky
0: Sports change, wasn't it? By the way, Simon can take the year off if he likes. I is think, that? Oh. I don't
1: even know who he was. Simon, Simon
0: Lazenby. Yeah. Who is he? He's he's not as good as Natalie Pinkham yeah. on yeah. the eye. How How good as Natalie? a host.
2: Ha- I mean, she's very easy on the eye, but I mean, she's very good. Absolutely really good.
0: I'm just going to leave it and there. Now, I mean look, I just think that, that this was an interesting one. It was an interesting one for Sky Sports though because they did completely switch up like you had Anthony last week and Karun this week. There's no Ted. Um Martin's off this week. Although, I got to say Paul deresta was very good as the the whole of race uh co-commentary. I I, do, I think Paul DeResta has a long future in in commentary. Do you have a thought on that, boys?
1: I don't mind Paul DeResta, like he cops. I, I don't some, mind him at all. I know some he cops a bit of unpleasantries, like in terms of people not being a huge fan, but I, I don't think he's that
2: bad.
0: I Look, have no I issue think, with Paul at all. I think that um, they they've got to have this rotation with twenty plus races in the year, mm. and we'll get to, when we talk championship. We'll also talk about how the year's going to pan out because there's obviously still some um, chaos going on. So let's talk teams. Um... You know, leave Red Bull uh, aside. They did they did very well. Um, Perez fought the the right fight for the first three laps, but you know he should have been he shouldn't have made that mistake. Uh, I think he made a mistake by going around the outside, and I Mm. think he should have been there to be a rear gunner for Max. Um, Mercedes was fascinating because they they basically um, flipped on a dime. They they said to Valtteri, "Don't attack Lewis. He's got problems," and then. Like two laps later, they said, R- you're racing with Lewis. Go for it. Uh, I mean, what do you- make up your
1: mind, folks. Harry? Well, I think they thought maybe with Bottas behind, they could use him uh, to hold off Lando there. But then I think they realized it was a bad idea. Let's just get him in front with the clean air. Um, and hopefully Bottas can hold off Lando because Lewis definitely doesn't seem like he's got the pace. This, this is the only justification I can I can think of that they were they were going through.
0: Um, how, um, Connor, the um, the Ferrari though. Let's talk about McLaren mm. in a minute. Ferrari really brought themselves back into this race um, through strategy with Carlos. Um, you know, late stop onto the mediums, soft tire going to the end. It allowed him to come through the pack to get fifth, and I think those are critical points for Ferrari.
2: Ah, massively critical points. It helps bring down the gap between McLaren and themselves at the moment for that fight for third in the constructors championship. And it look, it was a, a very good call to make Carlos the main man because he's definitely at much better pace tonight than, than Leclerc and Leclerc, you know, had two, uh, two of those wild moments when he tried to battle against Checo and lost out badly both times. So it was quite clear in the end that Leclerc was going to really struggle by the end of the race with dirty tires. And also the tires were degrading, you know, quite rapidly as well yeah. as the race near the end of the race. So great move by Ferrari to put Charles into the main position, and he benefited by obviously catching Daniel Ricciardo at the end of the race. And he benefited by Checo's penalty that he got the 10 seconds and uh, he finished in the top five. So a massive haul of points with both Ferraris finishing in the top 10 tonight. Yeah, really Carlos in
0: fifth and Leclerc in eighth. Um, a couple of quick ones. Haas, rubbish as always. Um, <laughs> uh, Alfa yes. Romeo, rubbish as always. Um, Alfa Tauri, disappointing in in ninth and twelfth. And uh, Aston Martin would be just filthy with 13th and 17th, though Vettel did crash on the last lap, which was a fascinating one. But all of that aside, uh, and by the way, um, uh, Alpine, you know, Alonso did well to, to get 10th um, given he he started in 14th or so. But let's just talk McLaren for a bit. Um, an unbelievable weekend, an unbelievable fortnight for Lando um, and just a completely difficult fortnight for Daniel. Lando proved today that car has pace. Daniel proved today that he can work with a car and strategy but he proved this weekend he, he doesn't have the pace in that car when you look at that FP1 or FP2 from last weekend he was second of the timesheets and he's simply been nowhere all for two weeks nowhere since then it makes no sense boys Harry.
1: It, yeah, so his race pace seems seems fine, like you said, but I think it comes back to, you know, in qualifying, you, you're you trying to push it mm. to the absolute limits of what the car can do. And he obviously just, he, he's not gelling with it. He doesn't have the confidence. He just can't find that pace there. But obviously when he's running at nine tenths, you know, when you're running through the race, he's, he's comfortable there. So I think it's just a matter of him trying to get from, being able to take it from nine tenths to, to ten tenths.
0: Do you reckon, Connor, that... um? I know this is a regular track and everything, but do you think Silverstone is more of a, a track where he'll find his groove and his flow? Um, I just think it's a more familiar circuit for him and everyone, really.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And I think he needs to have a decent outcome at Silverstone because next round it's going to be very unique. We're going to have that first sprint qualifying race on the Saturday afternoon, mm. so which will be Sunday morning, one30 Um, Eastern time. So Daniel needs to really pick up his act coming into the British Grand Prix because it is the home Grand Prix for McLaren and it'll be familiar to him, but it'll be a completely different mindset because, you know, the whole mindset of qualifying has to change, you know. You have to really perform well in this sprint race to get a good starting position for the main race in two weeks' time.
0: And just for context, for people that hear the news on the radio, the TV, probably won't even make the news, but when you read the stories about Daniel's performance at the Austrian Grand Prix, um, you know, seventh, even though his teammate was third, he made up more places from lights to flag than any other driver he he made up six Mm spaces six places um Mm. science fifth signs made up five places a great result in fifth but daniel made up six places and that's that's an achievement on both strategy and and it shows as harry said his race pace um I don't think McLaren, I don't think Andre Seidel and Zach Brown would be filthy with Daniel right now. I think they would no, be frustrated no. like he would be. I think everyone, mm. I think there's too much focus on it and I think that's actually Daniel's problem as well. Every question he gets is about this fucking thing. It's like, mate, just let me drive,
2: just let me race, just let me go it's, and I it's think like it's a the, downer. It's like the headlines. The headlines right now just like they're shit-canning Dan because they're expecting him to be right up there with Landon Norris, right up there in the top three, top four. Yeah, but, and Connor, I, in,
0: in, it- in defence of those headlines, you've got to look at it and go, Daniel has a better um, pedigree. He has a better history in the sport, right? He, he, it, yes. His results are disappointing when compared to his his younger teammate. Now, does that mean he's not as good as his younger teammate? It may. Um, does that mean that he's he's always going to play second field to Lando? I don't think so. I think over the course of three years, we're going to see him come into his own. Um, uh, on Twitter earlier, Clinton Maynard was asking, you know, what, what the hell's going on? Matt DeGroote said something along the lines, hey, just everyone calm down. Renault, when he was at Renault, he, he took his time to get into it. Uh, I think it was Clinton again said, you know, he was beating Hulk by this time. Hulk's a different driver to Lando. I think that's, yes. that's probably what I'd say to that is, you know, Hulk... Um, and- was not as good as Lando is, and Lando is really pushing himself. I think Lando is already a better driver because of the the push from Daniel. You look at whenever he is on a hot lap, he says, Where's Daniel? <laughs> yeah,
1: I think yeah. Well, I Land- don't think it's comparable, like like Lando and and Hulk. For one, no. Hulk is Lando no longer was- in Formula One. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's the easiest way to, de- to debunk that. Exactly. Bit.
2: Yeah. Well, Lando's a whole new like he's a whole different league altogether like he like he's very young he's only what 22 and he's got a whole career ahead of him and he's just excelling everyone's expectations in such a brief period of time in his career already whereas Dan, and I think he takes on what Daniel has done in his time in Formula 1 and he's equaling if not bettering what Daniel has done and that has probably confounded Daniel quite a bit that he's not able hmm. to keep up with that pace. But like you said, Trev, it's going to take him, you know, he's got a three season deal. I think he's, you know, he's going to eventually come into his own very very much so next year when the new regulations come in. So I think people just need to just, as Matt DeGroote said, just back off and let him, gel into the car in good time. His time will definitely come. The best thing Daniel
0: could get is a bunch of good headlines for making up six places and finishing seventh and a strong result for McLaren. That's what he needs from this race, but I'm sure if we watch all the post-race interviews, it'll it'll be the opposite. But look, I think... um, I think critically, and Connor will get to the the tables at the end of the show, but this was a good result for for McLaren. It could have been slightly better with Norris being a a peg up, but probably better than they expected with Daniel in, in sixth though. Both signs and Leclerc, their key competitors, made up five and four places respectively. So, you know, pretty solid weekend all around for both those teams. And it's really the, the rest of the teams that would be looking at that going. we As we said last week, boys, you know, McLaren and Ferrari are now a clear um, third and fourth team as opposed mm-hmm. to there being this battle between three or four teams for that third place, Harry. And I think that's the best outcome for both those teams.
1: Well, Alpine's completely disappeared. I mean, what happened to Gasly? Because like, I feel like AlphaTauri still is, is quite he two close. Stopped. Um, he two-stopped,
0: yeah. and that, that right. I think really, yeah. that really cost him.
1: But with Ferrari in this pack here, one thing that I think is interesting is how well Carlos is doing in the yeah. sense of... When mm. it was announced he was joining the team, it, it was seemed like people thought he was very clearly going to be the B driver. And he's much quicker than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. So yeah. that I think the dynamic between those two and the competition between those two over the next couple of years is, is gonna be an interesting story to watch play
2: out. Oh yeah. Great. You know you know and what you know what? Go on. Go on, go on, Drew. <laughs> no, no, what I was gonna say was like this time last year we were basically saying to ourselves when Carlos announced he was going to go to Ferrari last year, we thought given the way Ferrari were last year, we thought, oh, my God, he's going to go to a very, very bad situation. It's like he's made a mistake this turned out to be the best mistake he's ever made in his career thus far because, he, as you no. said, he is that quicker than Charles at the moment. And I think the next few years, that battle between those two to be the top dog at Ferrari is going to be absolutely Listen, fascinating. It's really exciting. I don't think Carlos that signs
0: a mistake. Yeah, anyone that thinks Carlos signs moved to Ferrari is going to be a mistake is it has rocks in their heads because you know what? If Carlos signs signed a contract that said you're – that actually said explicitly, you're getting paid a tenth of what Charles is getting paid. You're the clear number two. You have to respond to team orders. It's still a good move because it's a red Ferrari Formula One car. I mean, it's just, and mm. and he can he can prove himself even under those conditions. But I think those kind of things only come into play when it's championship battle stuff. So I think I think Carlos is actually showing himself as probably one of the drivers of the year. I mean, at this point, aside from Verstappen and and Hamilton, who you put in their own kind of pedestal here. You would argue, would you not, Connor, that Signs and Norris are probably the standouts for the year in terms of their performance, not just on the table, but in terms of where they're hitting above what we
2: perhaps expected. They're batting above their average right now. Let's face it, and and it's great to see. Um, I'm really impressed with how much maturity, how much more maturity that these two have had in a space of twelve months, and they're just going to continue to get better and better. And I think Carlos will definitely be challenging for a race win. Maybe not this year, but definitely next year. I, I think I could really see Carlos finally getting that win, and the same for Lando. I'm really excited to see them continue their maturity going into 2022.
0: Harry, just rounding up, talking about drivers individually, um, uh, Vettel crashed. Like, I guess just just a bad outcome at the end of the race to have a have a yeah. crash, and it didn't seem mm. like it was his fault. It actually felt it like, like, it, like it was Kimmy's. It, I don't know. It just felt like a racing incident. Yeah. Weirdly, you know, it felt like it was just yeah. one of those points where there's there's multiple lines out of that corner, and a little bit of sense of awareness problem there from Kimi probably caused it. But still, a disappointing weekend for um, Aston Martin, and I think that Vettel would would not be happy with that. Um, Sonoda, I thought, was doing pretty well through the weekend, although he finished in twelfth, and and you know, well behind Gasly in in ninth. Who two stopped it, so, and so did Sonoda. Um, but you know, it's just. I feel like there's no other standouts happening in the field, Harry. Yeah.
1: There was a few, it's funny you like it was like going through the results now and there's there's a few drivers who I just realized almost got no coverage. Like I had no well, idea actually really where they placed, like Sonoda, Stroll, like up until we started speaking, I was like, oh, yeah. I had no and, idea that's where they were.
0: And the big one that we haven't even mentioned yet? George Russell. Georgie, boy. 11th by oh, fair him like two, two laps, laps to go. The end. Oh, Harry, I feel so how sad. How gut-wrenching oh. is that, mate? And you're like, looking into the
1: garage and all the guys have just got their heads and their hands You just, oh, their hearts were just broken. I feel sorry for them. Oh. And I, to the point where I reckon, you know, Alonso's a race driver. He's always going to make the move. But where I reckon that even he a little bit would have felt a little bit sorry. I, do you
0: know him. what? About three laps before he passed him, I thought to myself, if you're Fernando Alonso and and um, Fernando and he, uh, Fernando has a lot of respect apparently for George from what you hear from the commentators so and stuff, they but say. a part of that, wouldn't you just go? Uh, I'll just I'll just stay on his tail and look like I'm trying. I mean, just give the kids a yeah. point. It's just one point for Christ's sake. But yeah. um, but you know, I think in the end, remember Fernando's a racer, and that's what exactly. he does. It's at his heart. It's at his core. He's always going to be that way. Um, uh, we do. I was just cheering. A. Connor, <laughs> and uh, if you haven't checked out the the freebies, there's a bunch of freebies, including. <laughs> Uh, race highlights i think some of the freebies might also be some of the historic stuff but also critically yep. um in a couple of weeks for silverstone um you'll be able to watch all the practice and stuff on uh on ko for free and sign up for uh for the full race and qualifying and all those kind of things um let's talk championship table now and then i want to talk lewis contract and race calendar connor where is the driver yes. championship landed on
2: us well, landed on Max Verstappen leading the championship still, now leading by 32 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. So 182 to 150. Third now is still Sergio Perez, but only by three points ahead of Lando Norris. So Sergio having that, that bad result tonight has really helped Lando in, in massive way. So, yeah, you know, he's now closer to that third position. And, uh, yeah, it could surprise. He could very much surprise Lando. Fifth position at the moment in the championship, is Valtteri Bottas on 92 points. Sixth position, Charles Leclerc, 62. Seventh position, two points further behind, Carlos Sainz. So the battle for the top dog of Ferrari getting really, really tight. Eighth position at the moment is uh, Daniel Ricciardo now. He's moved up a spot ahead of Pierre Gasly, so he's on 40 points. Gasly on 39, and uh, Sebastian Vettel, despite scoring no points tonight, still in the top 10 on 30 points. Now in the Constructors' Championship... Red Bull 286, McLaren 242. McLaren have Mercedes their lead. 242. Jeez, you're freaking Mercedes me out. Mercedes. <laughs> oh, sorry. What am I doing to myself? Yeah, Mercedes. Sorry. Uh, I'm having a shocker tonight. Uh, McLaren 141, <laughs> leading Ferrari 122. So, so what's that gap of 19 points 19, between McLaren points. and Ferrari?
0: That's, I mean, that's a mega gap. And as I said, Harry, earlier, you've got this clear first and second, as we always have, but this very clear third and fourth with Alpha, Tauri, Aston Martin, and Alpine um, battling it out for that now very clear fifth race, uh, fifth in the in the constructors, Harry. You know, that's – I don't think anyone would have predicted that at the start of the year, would you?
1: No, I would have thought Alpine would have been much closer, and I don't know if that's the fact that uh, Fernando and Ocon aren't up to the levels. I guess Ocon was looking better at the end of last year, but – to what Dan was getting out of the car, but they're for me—they're the biggest surprise that aren't up to that pace. But and, and,
0: mm. and I think the you know the worst part about that is Esteban Ocon getting signed to a multi-year deal and mm. driving like a busted ass every time he got in the car since.
1: Do you reckon he's got like some kind of yips? Like he feels like this immense pressure now he's signed this contract and now he's got. Like no, I reckon he's water. just a
0: rubbish driver.
1: <laughs> I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you're probably no. correct.
2: Yeah. Um, no, we, we just think... we just think he's rubbish. With the McLaren anyway, I... and
1: Ferrari. What's hmm. like with that one? You're saying 12 points. Oh, that's so close. Like that's that's one race difference essentially. Like if they if McLaren have a good a good weekend and and Ferrari get like one car in the points. Uh oh, sorry, the opposite of that. And yep. they could overtake it one race. That's just so. Tight. It's going
0: to be a ding dong battle, battle back and forth. And it's you know what it's going to prove um, critically is it doesn't matter whether uh, Ricardo's you know ahead or behind. It just needs to be close. The mm. drivers in both teams they need two cars to finish as often as they can in the points as far ahead as they can. I mean it's obvious and logical, right? But it just in that battle for millions of dollars, that's that's actually what's going to matter most is not you know. You know who out qualifies each other on on bloody qualifying day. It's actually just what can we bring home at the end of the day, and those those weekend runs will be huge, Connor. I think we've got so far left mm-hmm. in the season that that battle is going to be the one to watch. Actually, you know, I think that's more exciting battle than than the top of the championship, Connor.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think even the battle for fifth in the championship is going to be very interesting as well because away from McLaren and Ferrari battling for that third position in the constructors, Alfa Tauri now extends their lead for fifth in the constructors over Aston Martin by virtue of Gasly's two points tonight. So it's now 48 Alfa Tauri, 44 Aston Martin. And Alpen, as you said, massive disappointment. They're they're in seventh in the constructors' championship with 32 points and Alfa Romeo even more disappointing on two. Harry it would, Daniel, have been, it would have done that. takes his
0: job doing the championship points so seriously, he reverted back to giving the points, even though we'd, we'd started talking about it you know, more broadly. That's just, it's the passion <laughs> well, and the commitment that, that I respect greatly, Connor. I really do. Thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> the, the, the couple of things we have to talk about um, Lewis Hamilton, Harry right. signing a, a couple of year deal. Very strange one because he announced his contract for this year in February. And then, like six, five months later, he's announced his contract for the next two years. I thought this was a massive surprise. Um, uh, oh, really? N- not, not surprised as in he signed, but just surprised in terms of the timing. I'm like,
1: dude, what? No, I don't think it's in the sense of, you know, remember last year when there, were, there was just every week, you know, after the summer break, it was basically questioning when is Lewis going to sign, what's going to happen, all of hmm. that. And I think that would be distracting. And this year, they've you know, they know that Red Bull is probably faster. And if they want to... Win the championship. They're going to need every bit of focus they have, and so let's just get it out of the way. And I think Lewis is more interested in that than whatever he was interested in negotiating. I with.
0: still think that this deal says that they're they've either done the deal for next year with the second driver, or even oh, more, they're definitely. going to announce it. I just, definitely. I just think, mate, if I'm Toto, let's announce it now. Let's get let's get George, if not in the car. Let's get everyone's focus on George and find Valtteri a seat. Toto's a dealmaker, Connor. He will find Mm. Valtteri a seat if Valtteri wants one.
2: Yeah, he's a modern-day Flavio, let's face it. And I think he will find Valtteri a seat. I don't know if it'll be a Williams seat. Like, he'll go back to Williams to finish out his career or he'll go to another team. We're yet to find out, but... To me, it's it's a certain to me that George will be taking that second seat at, at Mercedes next year. This I is how I describe it to
0: Jackson. Me. My son asked me, he showed me this breaking news. He came running out there last night to show me or the night before to show me that Lewis had signed. And um, I said, here's how you announce it. Anytime during the season, whether it's at Silverstone or, or afterwards, you say, um, we thank Valtteri for his service, but you know Lewis has now got a young up-and-coming driver to mentor for the next two years and bring to a world championship status. And Williams announced that they're bringing in someone with a wealth of experience in a world championship winning car with race wins and podiums under his belt to help Latifi if that's what they're going to stick with. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's an easy sell to say. It's an easy press release for both of them.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a no-brainer. I think hmm. I, I think that there must still be something small to, to nut out, but I, I think it's going to be announced sooner rather than later. makes no sense I don't think to, to hold it. Do you up.
2: reckon do you reckon that they'll announce it at the British Grand Prix? Do you reckon they'll wait I two just, weeks? There's something
0: stupid in my head that says that's when it gets announced.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, maybe. But I just I definitely don't think it's gonna be the several months that people like the full length of that several months that people mm. are saying.
0: So the, let's talk about the, uh, the other elephant in the room, and that is that Australia won't be having a Formula 1 Grand Prix this year because the Formula 1 world's focus is not on um, the kind of COVID restrictions that we're currently undertaking and the, the, the kind of status that Australia has on COVID. As good as it is here, um, we're imposing restrictions on people that make it difficult to understand as an outsider. And I think mm. if you talk to people in Europe, you get a sense of they know this shit's still going on, but they've moved on. And they're dealing with it, and they're they're just running with it, with it. Whereas this paddock is now going to the point where George Russell's sitting on the sky stage without a mask on. Um, there, there's zones and areas that have gone mask free. Whereas we're we're not ready for that yet. And so we're about we're two weeks away from a British Grand Prix, which is going to have apparently stands full of people, despite the fact that England has ten 000 to twenty thousand cases of COVID a day. They, they're experiencing a fourth <laughs> fucking wave. Um, the Formula One community, let alone Formula One management, do not know that the the COVID situation down here is still what it was for them 12 months ago. And they won't accept it, Harry. We we can write off an Australian Grand Prix this year. What do you think?
1: Oh, in my head, it's been written off for, for months. I I don't know what they're going to do to replace it in the, on the calendar. Are yeah, they going to do a, a double? Um, double at Coda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that'd be good. But well, I, I don't, given that... You know, it's not happening.
2: Well, given that the Singapore Grand Prix got cancelled and the contract has not been renewed as a consequence of that and Turkey's now back on the calendar uh, by virtue of replacing Singapore, they're going to have to find another venue to replace the Australian Grand Prix. I have no question in my mind that the Australian Grand Prix will not be happening, be it Formula One or MotoGP. I, I no. Both of those events will not be happening without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion.
0: I think that's really sad. Um, you know, we could talk about COVID all we live, but so that would be a different podcast. But I just think it's, uh, I think it's disappointing because we we're in a good place for it. We, yeah. uh, we could have had great crowds. We could have had a great environment for the, for the F1 community. But when you look at Austria and crowds of the size they had there, it, the, the, the pre-race entertainment, it was, it was like normality again. And so. You just can't imagine them coming here and going, by the way, you need to do this, this and this. They'd be like, Fuck off. <laughs> like Lewis would literally be, you fucking want me to what? Like to everything that Australia wants. So unfortunately, folks, I think the Australian Grand Prix is a write-off and I would be blown away if there was some if there was any way that, that Victoria could pull that off. I then don't think it will happen.
1: It's not happening. Um just before oh, we go it won't
2: be happening. Harry can,
1: can I bring up you mentioned entertainment before. Hmm. We can't end this podcast without talking about that national anthem.
0: Holy shit, boy! What the what fuck? That? <laughs>
2: like,
0: I know wow. we've heard the Austrian anthem before because it's get played as Red Bull as a constructor, but I didn't recognise that at all. It and was Red Bull it had was, taken
1: over the Austrian anthem. I swear, it was like
0: Daft Punk did a Stravance Australia Fair. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I tweeted. It. I tweeted. I know Red Bull gives you wings, but those people are on something other than Red Bull. Ah. Oh.
1: They're on that special, the special Thai Red Bull, like the the original one that's like made out of the syrup. That's what they were on.
0: Man, that was, that took me by surprise. I mean, skydivers with bat suits and planes going around them was pretty epic, but that anthem with drums and electric guitars, <laughs> that's that's unseen. Anyway, um,
1: I
2: just wanted to
0: bring that up before you. Yeah. Good on them for the Loved show, off. though. Hey, good on them for the show. Yeah,
2: it, it, it blew everyone away and it, it reminded me of when. Uh, look, I'm going to show a bit of bias because I'm a Queen fan. Brian May doing God Save the Queen when Her Majesty had her golden jubilee celebrations almost 20 years ago. It just, it just reminded me of something like that. And I'm thinking, wow, that's completely out of the ordinary. But, hey, credit to Red Bull. That was uh, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, they, they, they've they done it well, and um, Helmut will certainly be happy with the weekend. All right, boys, um, thanks for sticking around after a race until 20 past 1 in the morning, and... Uh, Thanks for everyone for listening. It's uh, great to have your company. You can hit us up all on uh, Twitter. You'll find us there. If you just search for uh, EFTM, you'll uh, find the the link to the show with all of our tags in it. So hit us up, follow us, and have a chat about F1 all throughout the week. We'll be back in two weeks with the Silverstone uh, race, which is a new format, and we're very excited about that one because I think... Uh, it could either die out the ass like Bernie's attempt at changing qualifying, you know, what was it, ten <laughs> years ago in Melbourne, uh, or it could be yep. an absolute crackerjack. So we'll have to wait and see, boys. Uh, talk to you then. See ya. Yep. You too.